0: Hello podcast listeners, this is Rebecca Bryce. I hope this podcast is finding you doing very well and that you are filled with the abundant grace of Jesus and the awareness of his grace. An awareness that without him you could do nothing and without him you would surely fail. There's such a sweet Sadness in that because we live in a world that is so self focused and self centered. It would say that if we believe we fail, what good are we? That we should, you know, buck up and find inner strength to look at the world and be able to do whatever it is that we want to do. We just put our minds to it, and somehow we can. Pull through and buck up, old gal, and, you know, everything will be fine. But that's not true. That is not true. We fail so much. Because we especially, and I speak to believers who have already trusted in Jesus as their Savior, And how often we walk away from that relationship and we expect everything to still be okay because we try to tap into that very flesh, real, celebrated, broadcasted, publicized, inner strength that the world talks about. and we walk away from Jesus, we will try to walk in that path, walk down that path, walk in that way, and we stumble and fall. And so today, I just want to encourage you that His mercy is new every morning. I don't know who needs to hear that, but I just that is what the Lord is telling me to say today, that his mercies are new every morning and that it's going to be okay if you trust in the Lord with your whole heart. And don't lean on what you know, that self-fulfilling, self-loving, self honoring mess that the world wants us to believe in. I'm just calling you back to that relationship, the union with Jesus that is so mysterious and yet refreshing and strong, he is our rock. He is our fortress and our strength. I know I've read this verse so many times on this podcast, but the podcast is called Graced for This. And so this is one of those verses that just ring truth to how grace works. It's 2 Corinthians twelve nine, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, and this is Paul speaking, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Psalms tells us that chapter 34, verse 5, those who look to him are radiant, their faces never covered with shame. I remember um, one episode early on just talking about that sort of um, spoof I saw from um, a Bible teacher, and her name is just it's skipping me right now. But she made a spoof called Oil of Obey and how she used that verse to talk about the radiance. On our face because we've looked to him and not to ourself therefore we won't feel shame that we've trusted God to meet our needs according to his glorious according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus that he's given us everything we need from that rich storehouse of relationship with Jesus. Another verse in Psalms, same chapter, verse 34. Verse 10, the lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. I know recently I've been struggling with just contentment and discontentment um, and how so closely it seems tied to fear for me. And if I start feeling afraid of something, I um, just start, I sort of harbor it and then don't realize that I then go throughout my day looking at everything through that lens and I don't realize that it's there. And I start, you know, just the fear causes um, worry, which causes the discontent, which the ungratefulness, which... You know, self-protection, self-adherence, just I, I don't have the trust to enjoy and to love what is before me out of fear. And the Bible says that fear is caused by punishment. First um, John 4.18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And that verse has recently just restored and floored me at the same time. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And I think of all the things around me that I might live in fear of. And I understand where this fear-based thinking has has come from. I've told you all before that I have post-traumatic stress disorder. And it's the complex variety because it's included, you know, multiple years of, of abandonment of... Um, feeling left, feeling forgotten, feeling insecure and unsure of the next step, the next move as a foster child where I would live, who, whose family I would be in a part of, whose home I would have to learn to navigate over and over and over. And, Early on, especially in my life, there was just outright abuse. And it came with such uh, mind games with it, you know, never knowing what I was doing or believing I was doing something wrong that would set off my perpetrator, that would set them off and I would not know what is safe, would not know where I was okay and what it, what I was okay to do. And as I've grown up and as I've um, matured in my faith and just um, matured mentally and emotionally, I understand that I often end that way about very small things, but it holds on. It wants to anyway. And that feeling of I think some people say it's like walking on eggshells or you know it is like tiptoeing through life but really it's fear because it's a fear of punishment and the Lord does not want us to live that way with him that is why we have perfect love given to us through Jesus and there is no fear in love we don't have to worry about a punishment now correction Is different correction that leads to our holiness it's a purification process sanctity is very different than punishment and fear being that um, I've heard it said it's the false expectations appearing real that fear is false but we have to speak hope in and freedom in, with the Spirit's help, into our lives. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so as we walk forward, we move in love and in the Spirit, and we know who we are. and, And I know who I am. I know my identity in Christ, but it's in Christ That I lack no good thing, because I seek the Lord. Reminding you back to Psalm 34. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. I have had that little line, lack no good thing, come into my mind. And I want to tell myself, I'm a believer. I lack no good thing. You know, I believe in Jesus. I lack no good thing um that's not what the verse says it's you seek the lord it's actively being a believer it's not one and done it's not my title means i lack no good thing it's my actions that that allow me to lack no good thing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Psalm 3410. Now, I don't know about you, but I get a little concerned about that seek the Lord. And I get a little worried about there needing to be a measurement there. Uh, like how long am I supposed to seek the Lord? Um, how often? How uh, often? What does it look like to seek the Lord? You know, I get into that measurement mind and that's where um, it's sort of a spirit of religion. Some people say it's it's just like the critical for me. It's that critical piece that says um, you're not good enough if you don't do X, Y, and Z. You know, that's where the Holy Spirit reminds me. Calm down. Calm down. My grace is enough. You know, my grace is sufficient for you. It's okay to be weak in your understanding of exactly how to seek the Lord and how much to seek the Lord. See, you got to let the Holy Spirit guide you with that grace and have grace for yourself. So at the same time as there is an if-then on this verse, There's also a promise that each day will be taken care of. That God will meet all of our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. There's a Bible verse that I want to talk about a little bit. And I I believe I might have mentioned this before. I I can't believe I wouldn't have. Um, It's Matthew 6, 34. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself each day has enough trouble of its own Matthew 6:34 I remember um early on in my second son's life he oh goodness maybe Maybe he was only four or five months old and I had, his older brother was three. Um, And I did not know how bad I had gotten, but postpartum depression had hit me so hard um, at a certain point. So I had been, um, you know, losing sleep, staying up with the baby. I had been alone alone. I had been uh you know home alone working or my, while my husband was at work I was home with the kids by myself um and as my you know as a woman's body after she gives birth changes with the hormones in her body and that will you know the chemicals of the hormones can definitely change um our mental capacities and um I just deteriorated mentally um, and I was losing sight of anything else in my life. It was like I was in slowly being drawn in and in and into myself and I think of it like you know a child's um, a baby's number one you know I guess Job obviously is to survive, and a baby becomes is is the epitome of self-centered, right? Like they they cry because they're hungry. They cry because they need to be um changed their diapers. They they cry because they're tired. They cry because maybe something on their body is itchy. They're they're crying because they're in pain. They're completely self-centered, and that's okay. That's what they're supposed to do. And as a Parent, that goes from being able to focus on so much outside and so much in the world to think of slowly, layer by layer, being drawn in and that baby is your only focus. And in a world that tries so hard to grab our attention in a million different ways, the fatigue of that being drawn in a million different directions especially having a three-year-old um and and i'm not explaining away any of um i guess i want to say this being a parent is difficult um i was not getting the help at the time that i needed to get and i know that many people have children and they do very well with it Um, many people have infants especially and they thrive taking care of an infant I'm just saying in my experience at that time, with the hormonal makeup of my body at that time, with the um, social arrangement and the living arrangement in my life at that time. See, I had just moved from England um, back to America to a town and a state and a place that I didn't know anyone and I was pregnant and getting ready to give birth. So when my youngest was born, I knew no one. My support system was, they were all away from me. And so again, it narrows the focus of, uh, you know, it narrowed my focus down to just really my kids. And when it would get at its worst, You know, I remember joking with my husband saying, you know, the three-year-old knew when mom was having a bad day because I would just, it was sort of my serenity now moment. I just started singing one day at a time, sweet Jesus. And good old Christy Lane and I would belt it out together and put it on my phone and would just be desperate that I could not do that day without Jesus. And that's okay. I believe that that's the desperation, that crying out moment that we all need to have, that we want to unite with Jesus one day at a time. There's a book, it's called Union with Christ. The Way to Know and Enjoy God. The author is Rankin Wilborn, and I highly recommend this book. And in it, he says, Union with Christ is strong, precisely in those places where we in our secular age tend to be weak. It gives us an ability to speak into the void created by our disenchanted, self-centered world, which has only narrowed our vision and caused us to forget who we are. Somehow, as we become... In a mult in in a world that's completely distracted by everything, the everything will always point back to you. The everything will always make you focus on yourself. And as we it narrows our vision and it causes us to forget who we are, union with Christ reminds us who we are. Kind of where I was saying, remind that that quote right there reminded me of when I had my children. You know, a baby's world is so self focused. But living in that world and having no um, sort of no way to be pulled out of it um, and just not having the emotional capacity to look somewhere else, I can tell you that that sort of self-centeredness, it works for keeping a baby alive. It did not work for me. It depleted me. It took away so much of my strength. And I finally was able to reach out to my husband for help. And I was finally able to get the professional help I needed to understand that, you know, that I had a hormone change and that life was, um, that I was seeing things differently because of that. But it was Christ that gave me the strength to speak out and get help. And it is union with Christ that takes care of us and he is sufficient for all of our needs. When we are weak, he is strong. And in the places that we are weak, there's just this promise there that it will be okay. But doesn't that seem a bit like a fantasy? It seems a bit like it's impossible Um, but you know, we're kind of in a world now where fantasies and magic and, and all of that has, has become chic and popular and, and it's for a reason. Um, in this book, the one I'm quoting from Union with Christ, he says, um, and I'm going to read it. It's kind of a a heftier quote, but please stick with me on this. J.R.R. Tolkien wrote The Lord of the Rings one of the most popular books of the 20th century. Why would people in a primarily secular scientific age still crave fairy stories? He's talking about fairy tales, ones in which animals can talk and magical things happen in which the small and the weak can triumph over the strong and powerful in which victory can be snatched from the jaws of almost certain defeat by an act of self-sacrificial heroism. Tolkien suggests that we love these stories because they point to an underlying invisible reality, a fleeting glimpse of joy, joy beyond the walls of the world, that we feel in our bones must be true, in spite of all the evidence to the contrary. We love these stories, Tolkien claims, because they are hints and echoes of the one true story we were made to hear, the gospel The most magical story of all, that once upon a time, the king of the universe disguised himself as a baby. He grew up and did wonderful, beautiful things, fed thousands of people from one small lunchbox, calmed a storm by speaking to it, made sick and broken people well, and brought the dead back to life. Then in an act of heroic self-sacrifice, he let himself be killed. He died a gruesome death on a cross. But what looked like tragedy and certain defeat turned into joy and victory. A few days later, when he came back to life, Jesus broke open the pitiless walls of the world, and he makes new life possible for all of us. C.S. Lewis is famous for writing these words. At present, we are on the outside of the world, the wrong side of the door. We discern the freshness and purity of morning, but they do not make us fresh and pure. We cannot mingle with the splendors we see, but all the leaves of the New Testament are rustling with the rumor that it will not always be so. day, God willing, we shall get in. One day, dear listeners, we will get in. The difficulties of this world require faith, require hope. But one day, one day, we won't need faith and hope. There's a famous quote by Peter Kreeft, it's faith and hope bring us through time, but leave us at the doorstep of eternity. Only love goes with us inside. Imagine a time when the striving of the world is done and we are on the other side of eternity. That's what union with Christ is now. That's what grace is. It's a glimpse of thy kingdom come. It is a glimpse of eternity with us that gives us hope and gives us faith and gives us strength. So I don't know who needed to hear that today, that his mercies are new every morning. And even though we don't become pure every day in a sense that we will be pure in heaven we can know that while each day may bring trouble that we won't have in heaven we will. We do have something that we will have in heaven and that is the help of our Lord Jesus Christ right here as we walk on earth Please let me pray with you now. Heavenly Father, I pray that what I have said will somehow make sense and resonate with someone that's listening to this. I pray, Lord, for whoever listens that you will guide them graciously. That you would fill them with hope and faith and love. The perfect love that casts out fear. That they would not fear punishment by you, Father, or by the world around them, and especially the perceived punishment that's never there, the perceived wrong that never turns out. Because you are walking with us, Jesus. When we are walking close to you and we are seeking you, you are more than enough. And we can be weak and your grace is enough. Every single new day, we get that new amount of grace. And I pray, Father, that right now, those listening to my voice will feel a renewed sense of your mercy and grace with them. That whatever they have in mind, that the task that's before them today, that they know that the strength that you give them will match the task. And it always will. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name. I pray. Amen. Well, podcast listeners, I'm going to leave it at that. Thank you all for listening. I love you. And would you please go and rate the podcast on iTunes and share it. um, If you find it helpful, you find it encouraging would you share it with others? Thank you very much. God bless.